Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 58. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. But not today. Today, it's history lesson time. Yeah. Today, this is going to be a fun one. We're going to talk about the Gracies, the first family of jiu-jitsu. Now, I know what you think. <laughs> Matt and Steve, why are you always shitting on the Gracies? <laughs> yeah, we so- promise today will be a fair look into the history and then we'll shit on the Gracies. Yeah, I mean, of course, we we have to shit on the Gracies to some degree, but no, to, we're going to provide a to the best extent possible a an, a look at the as close as we can get to the true history of the Gracie family. Now, everyone knows like the mythology of the Gracie family, but the reality is it's actually hard to get a complete and accurate picture about what this family is, who they did, um, what you know, what they're who stamp- they did. <laughs> I'm sure they did a lot. What what they did. You know, it's hard to get a complete picture on this because really you're looking at a hundred years of history, much of which was in Brazil before these guys were really famous. So a lot of it is very anecdotal. There's not really great record keeping, at least that I could find, about the Gracies. Much of what we know about the Gracies is self-reported. You know, they were really a, a, a family in Brazil up until around the late 80s when they started to make it big into the mainstream. So where people first really started to hear about jujitsu and the Gracie family was when the Gracies released their Gracies in Action DVD. Well, I guess it wasn't a DVD. It was like a VHS tape in the late 80s. And then I think Hori and Gracie did an interview in Playboy around the same time. And then they released a volume two. In a porno mag? Yeah. Well, actually, Playboy has really, really good journalism in it. I know this this blew my mind to learn too, but apparently Playboy is like really well known for a lot of their journalism. Hmm. So at some point in the 80s, Horian basically was, uh, he did an article I'm assuming it was an article and not a photo spread. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did a centerfold. <laughs> yeah. in, in Playboy, where he talked about his family. And then after, or at some time around this time, they also then released Gracie's In Action Volume 2. And of course, in the early 90s, UFC happened, the rest is history, and the world was kind of left scrambling to learn about this family. And most of what we learned about them came from that Playboy interview, and those two volumes of Gracie's in Action. So basically... Which also sounds like a porno. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how dare you? Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> so, so basically, most of what we know about the Gracie's is self-reported. And even within the Gracie's own story, it's not entirely consistent because there are so many branches of the family. And I think everyone knows that over time, these branches of the family have diverged a bit. You know, there's kind of the Helio camp and there's the Carlos camp. And of course, they they generally tell the same story of their family history, but they don't totally agree on all of the points. And of course, there have been like copyright disputes and trademark disputes and just other general disputes between the family over the years. So I've done my best to research this and try to piece together what I believe is the most accurate story of what the Gracies really were like that I could put together. I can't promise this is 100% completely true and accurate, but this is kind of the best view that I could find on their whole history over the last 100 years from like the four Gracie brothers training with Mitsuyo Maeda up until now. So anyway, there's my, there's my disclaimer. This is as close as we can get to the truth, but by all means, if you are a Gracie scholar or just a Gracie lover and you hate us, please do chime in and correct us. And I'll just, I didn't do the studying that Steve did. I'll just be here making snard, snarky karma comments. And... But Matt did bring a copy of Mastering Jiu-Jitsu. So he actually brought study material. So if you hear page flipping in the background, that is yeah. Matt desperately crying, trying to cram and do his homework to add some value to this episode. That's right. Writ- <laughs> written by Henzo Gracie and John Danaher, whoever that guy is. Yes. Is he a Gracie? 
John Danaher? I don't know. In these pictures, though, he has a tremendous head of hair. John Danaher's, like, his changing hairstyles over time are really, really amazing. Oh, do you hear that page turning, guys? That's the sound of research in action right there. You know, it's funny here. It's it, The book is called Mastering Jiu-Jitsu, but uh, Jew is spelt J-U. And I yeah, think that, that refers to the traditional Japanese jujitsu. Yeah, that's the tradi- the traditional Japanese jujitsu spelling of the word is J-U. But as it just over time, as it got translated from language to language, the way that it is commonly spelled in Brazil is J-Y-U and then a hyphen and then J-I-T-S-U. J-Y-U? Sorry, J-I-J-I-U. And that's just the way that it kind of got carried on. So J-I-U hyphen, with a hyphen, not a space, J-I-T-S-U is usually the way in North America and I believe in Brazil that we spell it. Uh, So that's just kind of the way that it got changed over time. Um, So the general story, I think everyone sort of knows the, like the myth as it was sort of told, but let's kind of walk it through from the beginning and try to add some details along the way. Uh, The, if you were to like create a tree of lineage regarding Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Usually the person at the top of the tree is Mitsuyo Maeda. So um, Mitsuyo Maeda was a Japanese judoka who came to Brazil, kind of settled there and became friends with a wealthy Brazilian named Gastão Gracie, which is the father of kind of the first generation of the the Gracie grapplers. Um, Gastão was a big fan of martial arts. So he got uh, Maeda to train his four kids. Um, His four kids, two of them were kind of lost to time. I mean, Oswaldo Gracie and George Gracie, they're not as famous as the other two. The other two are Carlos Gracie Sr. and Helio Gracie. So the kind of the story as it is told is that these four brothers trained with Maeda. They learned uh, basically his variant of judo, and then they adapted it into the version of jiu-jitsu that we have today. Now, depending on which wing of the family you're talking to, some will claim Helio was more involved and or more instrumental and some will claim he was less instrumental, but everyone understands that all of these guys were instrumental in it. Basically, the, the story as it is often told is that Helio was like the small, weak, sickly guy, and so he wasn't able to do a lot of these judo techniques, and so he effectively modified them to be more effective for his body type or for the average person. Now... But he wasn't that small and weak, was he? No, no, no. This is, this is kind of part of where I think... I, I don't know if it was intentional or if it's just the telephone game over time. There is really no evidence that he was the small, sickly guy. Like, if you talk to the Gracies, they will say he was he was weak and he could only do one push up and he couldn't even climb a flight of stairs when he without getting winded. Like that's that's really <laughs> impossible to prove. But what we do know is that his fighting weight class was about 130 pounds, so he was a small guy, mm. um, at least in terms of body weight. But he was also like a an athlete. I mean, he was like a champion level swimmer. So maybe in his youth he was super duper weak and sickly. But by the time he was an adult. Absolutely not. I mean, calling Helio weak and sickly would be like calling you weak and sickly because you don't weigh 250 pounds, right? Like he wasn't weak and sickly, at least in the the manner that we know him in terms of jujitsu. It's also hard to know exactly how much his contribution was to the art versus like Carlos, because people will disagree on this. But generally, the agreement is that the Gracies took... This ver- the, they took judo and they emphasized specific specific aspects of the ground fighting. Now they didn't invent this stuff. Like they didn't invent the guard. They didn't invent uh, like the triangle choke or the arm bar. But they basically overweighted and overemphasized that area of the game because that is really it's it's kind of more realistic in terms of a holistic fight. Right? There's more to fighting than just throwing someone for epon. So that was kind of the big breakthrough that that they had. Now. The, the Gracies were an interesting clan. I mean, they've got like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of kids. They've got a ton of kids. And actually, the way they kind of operate as a family is a, is a little bit weird. Like they, from what I understand, they lived on like this big compound and they were like, they were polygamists. They had multiple wives, which is part of the reason why they How had How dare so many, you, Steve? It's true. Like, no, they just like, they had a, they had a lot of kids. I mean, so, and they had, they did have multiple wives. That's like well known. Um, Carlos was also an interesting character because he like, he kind of thought, I from what I understand, he thought he was a psychic. Like he thought he had some psychic connection to, I don't even really know, but it sounds like he thought there was some spirit he was in communication with. He also created the, or was the starter of the whole Gracie diet thing, right? Which to this day, Henner is still pushing. Um, there is no scientific basis basis for the Gracie diet. Basically it talks about like managing the acid levels in your body. It's just a theory that Carlos came up with without any, you know, medical experience to do so. But that said, I mean, if you're eating healthy, it's not going to be bad for you. Uh, but anyway, that's where 
where that whole thing started was kind of with this initial wing of the family. So where these guys, of course, became really famous was, uh, you know, once they started developing their art was they would go off and they would do the Gracie challenge, which effectively is is like not necessarily dojo storming, but they would put out the no, open. That's what it is, isn't it? Well, and in a lot of cases, they asked people to come to them as well, from what I understand. They just wanted to test their art again. Yeah, yeah. There, there were some situations where they would like, I, I'm assuming there were situations where they would literally just roll in and crash someone's gym, although I don't know. But a lot of it was actually like not that bad. I mean, they would post an ad in the newspaper from what I understand and basically say, you know, well, hey, we'll take a fight with you. These guys would, you know, they actually, you got to say this, especially Helio, like these guys had balls like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they were willing to put their art to the test. They believed in it that much. And that has been one consistent thing in the Gracie story right up until today, right? Is whether you think they're the best or not, like they have always been willing to put their asses on the line. So uh, Helio was kind of one of the interesting guys because in terms of like competition record, what he has done is actually the most known. Now, uh, Helio has claimed that he was like jujitsu champion, but actually no such thing exists. I mean, he, that was a title he just gave himself. He just called himself jujitsu champion one day. So that's like, uh, you know, he kind of made this up himself. Now, granted, they made up the whole art themselves as well. So he can call himself champion if he wants for all I care, but it's important to understand that. Um, but that said, Helio was the one who's probably most known from a combat record standpoint. Um, Carlos actually was not really a fighter. He, um, I think he only actually had one record on fight, um, which he won by four, or which he lost by forfeit. Basically, my understanding is that he um, may or may not have choked the guy out, and then there was a disagreement with the ref, and he basically refused to continue, so he lost by forfeit. So, Carlos, which is kind of like a weird thing. So, if you look at Carlos Gracie Senior's record, it's like zero and one, whereas Helio's record is is a bit better. I mean, he did he was not undefeated by any stretch. I mean, I know that the people love to go on about ah, oh, we're undefeated. Now, he, I mean, Helio did lose several fights, but he also like had like balls of steel. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he would go in there with guys who were just way bigger and stronger than him. Now that said, odds are. It sounds like when when they set up a lot of these challenges, you know, they were not always fighting world-class guys. You know, they might be just like finding some random representative of some martial art who maybe was not very good and Helio would go in and choke him out and claim some massive victory. Um, but that said, though, I, probably Helio's most famous fight was against Masahiko Kimura, which is where um, by defeating another judoka, Helio had was given the right to challenge who was, I believe at the time, like the top judoka in the world. And so Helio went in and, and fought this dude, which like that would be like the equivalent of like you accepting a fight, an MMA fight with Brock Lesnar, basically. Yeah. Like now, and, and Kimura is like a legend in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Like he, like his, he tra- there's there's stories of his training sessions that are just ridiculous. Yeah. Like he he um he did write a book, Kimura, and I I read like an excerpt of it, and I mean I guess this shouldn't surprise anyone, but he does sound like a raging asshole. But yeah, I mean like one thing about Kimura, from what I understand, is like I don't know if this is a myth or not, but I have heard anecdotally that like he would practice his osotogari against like trees <laughs> because yeah. that's how that's how dangerous this guy was and like the actual fight he had with uh helio gracie that is on videotape you can yeah. watch it and it's like it is on one hand the balls that helio had to go into this fight is incredible but on the other hand i mean i think everyone knows he just got like pasted but that shouldn't surprise you i mean it would be like if you went into a fight like i said with like brock lesnar in an mma fight i mean just going in there and actually kind of like holding your own to some degree is miracle enough so uh, i mean that was a very famous fight helio did lose that fight when his corner threw in the towel but uh he didn't tap out and so in like brazilian lore it's kind of considered like this moral victory for helio that he didn't tap out and Honestly, this is one of the things about the Gracies that kind of rubs people the wrong way is that they, when they talk about like their past accolades and stuff, they will kind of move the goalposts a bit and sort of paint like examples is, you know, Helio declaring himself as a champion just by himself, like just, and then claiming afterwards, oh, I know actually I'm the people's champion. Like it's, you know, making up these titles. And when they do lose, they try to, sometimes they try to find a way to spin it. Like they actually won, you know, there's always an excuse as to why they lost or something. But the reality is like the guy went in there against the top judoka in the world. I mean, that alone takes a set of balls to put your art on the line like that. Um, so that was probably the the most famous actual fight that that Helio had. Um, most of Helio's fights, from what I understand, ended in draws, actually, which 
isn't really surprising because I think I think a lot of the time when they do fights like that, like they don't go to a decision. <laughs> you know? So it's like if it doesn't end, it's just it's a draw. So a lot of his fights kind of ended that way. But I mean, in jujitsu literature, that in itself would be considered a win, right? Because a big part of the jujitsu philosophy is like, look, it's not necessarily about trying to win. It's about trying to survive against a superior opponent. So if you can do that, yeah. that's something. Um, so that that's kind of the Gracie lore as it's it's sort of known from the, the first generation of the grapplers. But the one thing is that, uh, you know, a lot of people may or may not know, and this is by their own admission, like the Gracies were like, they were thugs, at least at that level. They, they were basically a gang. I mean, there were multiple occasions where they would gang assault people that they didn't like or who they felt had disrespected them. Uh, they actually wound up in jail at one point where like the, the Gracie kids had basically like arranged to do like the equivalent of a drive-by where they would all go and beat someone up using weapons and they'd like arrange for a driver and they actually wound up in jail. But because their father was very rich and was connected to the Brazilian dictator at the time, they were able to secure a pardon. And it sounds like in terms of like reported incidents, this may have happened at least three times where that generation of Gracie kids basically just like wreaked havoc on the streets of Rio. So they they were not saints by any stretch. I mean, I guess that shouldn't surprise anyone because any family who's going to like invent a martial art and then run around challenging people like you're probably not going to get choir boys but yeah. they, they were not exactly saints and i think that's something that is kind of lost when the gracie lore is, is painted is that like these guys were not all like the most moral and virtuous and and that is frankly one of the unfortunate things that persists even to this day um you know like henzo gracie for example back in 2014 was also arrested for i believe a gang assault at like a nightclub um didn't he, he just beat up two dudes on the way home and that was that was a separate Twitter. thing. He like oh, okay. he beat he beat up two dudes and like live tweeted the whole thing. Now that said, he he claims it was self defense and they were following home to mug him. I have no idea if that's true or not. I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I there's something to be said about the kind of person who would like live tweet beating someone up. And uh, I think honestly, like the the thing is, a lot of these guys have gotten away with that kind of behavior for a long long time. Um, I mean, as of this recording, you know, a few weeks ago, Helson Gracie was arrested for drug trafficking. Although, granted, it sounds like he just had like. CBD oil and some pot on him. Um, and in Brazil, in Brazil, that's a, that's a big, big no, no, but like it to me, doesn't sound like the end of the world, but that's what it was. I'd uh, love a CBD sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was it? Who was it that assaulted Flavio Almeida? I don't that was remember. Half. It was a half. half. Yeah. I mean, the Nogi world. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Punched him in the back of the head. I believe my, like, no, he punched him square. He knocked his teeth out. Oh, did, was it? Was it from the front? I thought from he, the side. I think. Ah, uh, yeah. So my my understanding was basically he like sucker punched him from behind. I might be wrong about that, but no, they were chatting, and then I think he like took a sucker punch at him, and I think it's because uh, Flavio opened a school that was sort of on his turf or so, whatever. So clearly justifying like assaulting this guy yeah, from behind, which is kind of a common trend in, in the Gracies is this will, and this is actually kind of a common trend amongst a lot of people with that kind of mentality, whereas they'll do something like this and then try to justify it as a pride thing or whatever. But yeah. anyway, well, there's, there's videos on YouTube of Hickson when he, was on Joe Rogan's show and he's basically talking about like old fights and oh, like yeah. challenges and like, you know, go, go surfing on the beach. And if someone is surfing near you, you'd kick their ass or whatever. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah. I, th I think and fighting was like, and it, it was still a, today. Very, it common. was a different time. Right. And a different place. I mean, to us, this kind of behavior sounds unheard of, but when you're growing up on the streets of Rio, maybe that's different. Now, granted, these guys were like super privileged kids, so it's not like they were like street rats or something. I mean, they were very, very well off. Um, but that said, that that's kind of the, as far as we can tell the truth around what happened. Like, there's not a lot that is known about the Gracies back then other than anecdotal stuff, but like the arrest record <laughs> is something that that is known. And legal trouble has always been an issue with the Gracies. Like, I believe Hickson was arrested for like a DUI or something. I mean, these guys are always seem to be getting in trouble. So um, part of the reason why, you know, it's, it's important when you understand the story that like it's it's not all the positive happy mythology that we're now left with there is also this aspect of like look they're a troubled family too there's two sides to this coin and it's important to know the whole picture yeah. so and also fyi their their family originated in scotland i believe is that actually I, I, you mentioned this that's I, what wikipedia says I really just, huh. i just looked it up right now in the early 19th century they they moved to Brazil interesting yeah because i never thought i mean granted i do not know this for certain like but the name gracie it doesn't, doesn't even... sound brazilian to me yeah. but i may be wrong um but anyway so that was kind of the first generation of gracies and really though none of this left brazil uh in, in any meaningful way until 
like the 80s and the 90s when Horian, uh, one of Helio's kids, started to really take uh, like an ambassadorship role. Like Horian is actually probably the guy who's made the biggest impact. I mean, people talk about Helio all the time, but really like the most impressive thing that he, the most important thing Helio did was be Horian's father because Horian is the guy who really put jujitsu on the map. Uh, He was basically one of the guys who created the UFC, right? He uh, worked with promoters to put together effectively like a Mortal Kombat tournament where you get these martial artists from around the world. But really what it was, was it was all a marketing plan to get Brazilian jiu-jitsu in front of the masses and demonstrate its effectivenesses. Now, saying it's a marketing plan makes it sound like it was this like shady thing, but like it really like it shows a tremendous amount of balls that they had so much confidence in their system that they were willing to put one of their own family members into this tournament and actually like in front of everybody like the ufc was a pretty high profile thing at the time because it was so like unheard of that people would do this crazy tournament so like way less rules than MMA has. Yeah, it was yeah, literally yeah. no holds barred fighting aside from eye gouges and biting. I I, I, everything I, else was allowed. Yeah, like ball and, strikes were allowed. They and, were allowed. And no fish hooking, I think. I think it was like, yeah, it was like no fish hooking, no eye Which gouging. I honestly no don't get. Why wouldn't you allow fish hooking? It's probably a bacterial thing. I, I don't know. Oh, but you can fucking punch him in his genitals and headbutt him and... Hey, I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not Horian Gracie. Um, but basically, the, the UFC was originally concocted like to as a way to put Brazilian jiu-jitsu on the map. And of course... The rest is history. It became a huge deal when Hoist basically just like went to town on on everyone in that tournament and then did it again and then did it again. Um, of course, by the time like UFC five and six started to roll around, people started to get a hold of his tricks and also the quality of the opposition started to get better. And, you know, the, yeah. the Gracies were left in the dust in the MMA world very, very quickly. Although even to this day, they continue to have a strong presence in the jujitsu world. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know that you can say they were totally left in the dust. Like, Henzo went and competed in Pride and stuff like that, and, and a few, yeah, a few yeah, yeah. Gracies. I mean, they're, they're they're not really super well known. I think maybe the you know one of the most well known Gracies right now that's still fighting is Crone Gracie, mm-hmm. and he's still known for his jujitsu. He's yeah. not known for his. Well, they are. Striking. I mean, it, that's and I don't think there's any shame in that, right? Like they created this thing, but no one who creates something that blows up like that is going to be the best at it in the world forever. Of course, the Gracies were going to be surpassed eventually. Um, I, and I, I do think actually that there was probably a good degree of uh, luck involved, because if you watch like UFC one, I mean, some of those guys, not so good. Um, but like there was a good chance that Ken Shamrock could have beat the crap out of Hoist Gracie. Hoist got really lucky that he was able to pull out that choke in there, right? I mean, he got. That story could have gone trouble, Steve. Come on. No, no, no. But th- that's true. Like if you watch <laughs> oh, that, you. if you watch that fight, they're like hoist drew Ken Shamrock in the tournament. And that would Ken Shamrock at the time would have been like probably the toughest like, opposition for him in the whole tournament. And El- probably the closest thing to a to a modern MMA fighter. To, right. And, and, yeah. And just and just in terms of submission grappling. Exactly. Exactly. He's what a catch wrestler. Or yeah. 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 Like savvy? Ken Shamrock was huge, a legitimate fighter, like a legitimate shoot fighter. Um, and hoist took him on. They didn't try to hide him or anything so like that could that could have absolutely gone the other way um i believe if i recall correctly i think ken took him down and then hoist caught some submission off the gar- the ground i think it was a he triangle out, yeah it was a triangle or an ezekiel or something he caught ken shamrock um but of course by the time people started to learn the tricks like that once once really really like athletic fighters started to show up like by like ufc 10 it just kind of took off but but even then like well basically i mean it's just like anything you see in modern day jujitsu where if you see your opponent doing something that's clearly effective. You're going to learn it. Yeah. You're going to learn it. Yeah. And so once once these guys that, you know, they specifically trained in one style or whatever, they saw that how effective jujitsu was, they, th- they thought, okay, well, I basically have to cross train now and learn that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the smart thing to do. And once the UFC got traction, that's exactly what wound up happening. Um, now, the, the interesting thing, of course, is that Hoist Gracie did come back like many, many, many years later to fight Matt Hughes which was frankly insane. Like, I mean, it was insane. Yeah. I mean, Matt, it, now granted, I mean, I, I don't think Hoyce had a chance in hell in that fight, but the fact that he was actually, you know, payday or not, the fact that he was willing at that point in time to go back and still test himself against a guy who at the time was like maybe the greatest fighter in the world. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean that like, you can say what you want about the Gracie's, but one thing about that family is they will never like fail to back it up. 
Uh, and they were willing to go in and face very, very big public humiliation just to prove themselves. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the rest is history. Matt obviously dominated him, which isn't surprising. Like Matt was well, much younger, much younger, much more athletic and a and lot of time. Up, let's be honest. Almost, I mean, I can't prove it, but like yeah, we know we what point of time this was. Right. But Matt Hughes was at that time. Like he look, was he was like a yeah, he's like at a how he's built. Look, yeah. at, look at his his background as a as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And then you got Hoyce who, you know. Get, can get the fight to the ground, but by no means is like yeah. a wrestler or physically yeah. dominating. Uh, well, and the but thing, he has excellent jujitsu. The thing too about Hoist getting the fight to the ground is like it's one thing when he's fighting like a Art Jimerson, a boxer with one glove on. It's another thing when he's fighting Matt Hughes, like <laughs> a like, modern mixed martial artist with a wrestling background who's built like a tractor. Like yeah. that's that's a different level of like can I get this to the ground? Exactly. But yeah, even after the UFC though, like Hoist and Henzo, to your point, they went to Japan and they they didn't have a ton of success, but they did definitely compete there for quite a while um even hickson actually did compete in in japan as well um and and in pride i think he only had one fight in pride and i think that was kind of around where he closed at his career what was the promotion where he did that big tournament that's on that documentary yeah so there's a there's a documentary called choke which is kind of a which is so awesome yeah it's it's a good documentary it's it's about hicks and gracie i'm not sure it was some like fight tournament where he basically just like ran roughshod over everybody um hickson is an interesting one because hickson is another one of those guys where like i think the mythology kind of got a little bit away from him like hickson claimed that his record was 400 0 0 which is patently absurd there is no evidence of anything remotely approaching that hickson's mma record is 11 0 0 which still is impressive but like he's not the like god of grappling and of fighting that everyone thinks he is i mean he's great he's you know he's amazing but uh, like a lot of what a lot of where people think he's really great is like it's kind of the mythology around it but still like it's he's one of my favorite gracies for sure uh but you're definitely right about the mythology thing like his whole shtick right now is the invisible Mm jujitsu right it's been like that for a few years now where he's he's basically trying to teach you the tricks and the and the the mystique and the magic behind Mm jujitsu when really you know at at this at this stage if, if we're trying to say that it's all about things that you know invisible magical stuff it it kind of it almost makes it so that the the customer can't fully learn it like yeah like yeah. what what we it focus makes it on, seem like it's beyond you yeah and like what we focus on and what rob focuses on is talking about things like mechanics alignment concepts principles breaking alignment things like that rather than being like oh these are the the secret tricks and yeah, the things yeah. that you you can't see and things like that so it's kind of like that's where he kind of loses me yeah. unfortunately i think he i think nowadays with the the modern landscape becoming so conceptual and in jujitsu instruction i think that he's losing a lot of people with that too yeah yeah and i mean i know now i am no self-defense expert but i know that people rag on the hicks and gracie self-defense series a lot and say things like oh if you do that if you teach this to people you're going to get them killed because it's misinformation i mean I am not by any means like an expert in self-defense to the point where I can make a a judgment call on the quality of their material. But I do feel like a lot of that stuff has kind of passed them by. You know, I I feel like at this point in time, there's so much information out there that if you go to the Gracie's strictly for the name value, I can understand why there's the appeal to do that, but they're Tons not necessarily, yeah, they're not necessarily, they're not the only people in town who know stuff anymore. Whereas it yeah. used to be like, this was their, this was their bread and butter, but it's just, it's spread way beyond the point where only their family controls the stuff. Yeah. Um, like in, in modern jujitsu competition now, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of representation from GB or, or the Gracie family in mm-hmm. general. Like, I mean, the Danaher death squad, you know, is, is, uh, they're technically like they're, under they're, Henzo, they're right? Under Henzo, yeah. And they're the, they're the best team in Nogi grappling right now in the world. Um, and then in the Gi, you know, you have, you have, uh, like there's a few guys from GB that are still like amazing, like Homolo, who's pretty much reaching the end of his competition career, mm-hmm. you know, AJ and Edwin Najmi, like some really world-class grapplers. But when you go to these tournaments, you don't see a lot of representation mm-hmm. from GB anymore. Yeah. Whereas well, it's funny because they're like, such a huge school too, right? Oh, I know. And, and if, and if you had gone maybe a decade or even two decades ago, you'd see tons of Gracie Baja, Carlos Gracie, uh, you know, competitors at these tournaments. But now it's like, yeah, it's mostly Atos, Art of Jiu-Jitsu, um, Alliance. Mm -hmm. So this segues into a conversation about the Gracies as they stand today. So, you know, if kind of the first generation was Gastel Gracie and his kids like Helio and Carlos, and then sort of the second generation of Gracies were like Hoyce and Hickson and Horian. 
the modern generation is like, you know, like Henner, for example, and, and that crew. And it's, they're very different over, I mean, they've basically been domesticated in comparison to their grandparents, right? Like they're completely different in terms of the type of business that they run. Um, and it's interesting to see the evolution of the family and what they've kind of been left with now that the, the art they created has exploded so much, right? I mean, jujitsu, when, when his grandfather took it over, you know, when Henner's grandfather took it over, jujitsu was basically just like four kids in a room taking a version of judo and making some changes. And now it's so distinct that it is completely different. Well, not completely different, but it is viewed as a, a different martial art from its parent. And it's in a lot of ways, it's viewed as like kind of like a more modern hybrid. So it's interesting how things have changed over time. Now, of course, a lot of the family history that is communicated is, as we've established here, it's not fully true. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it is true. The Gracies always, you know, put their money where their mouth is and actually put their art to the test. But a lot of it is also mythology. Like the Gracie diet thing is really, there's no science behind it. A lot of the fight records are embellished or falsified. You know, it's, and I don't even blame them because you're talking about a story that's been passed down from generation to generation over a hundred years. Like if you ask, Matt and I to tell the story of our family history, I'm sure that half the stuff we say about our grandfather would be like incorrect or embellished, right? So I'm not even saying that it's like it's malicious or it's intentional. It's just the side effect of the way that human beings tell stories. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the impact of this today now is that, you know, there are a lot of very, very large, powerful Gracie schools. Uh, Gracie Baja being a big one, Gracie Academy being another. And so when you go to those schools, you're going to hear this mythology. And that's part of the reason why we want to have this episode is so that you can take that with a grain of salt when you hear that story and understand that, you know, these people were, they were human beings. They, they did amazing things. They also did terrible things. It's not as cut and dry. Um, and yeah, in terms of like where they are today, you know, probably the biggest legacy other than the UFC is, uh, the schools they've created, right? Like Gracie Baja is a big one. They're everywhere. Um, Gracie Academy also quite widespread, but probably ha is, is mostly famous because of their exposure to Hollywood and some of their involvement with the UFC. Um, a lot of these schools, you know, they're not going to, they do have good people for sure. Like, it's not like these guys are bums or anything. They do have good people at all of these schools. But in the case of like Gracie Academy, a lot of what they're known for is, is like the products that they push and some of the celebrities that train with them. Nothing the online Academy. Yeah. The online <laughs> Academy, which, which honestly I think gets a bad rap. I mean, when, when Henner and his family put out the online Academy, they, people crapped all over that thing. And I, I understand why, but I've heard Henner talk about it and like he never has claimed, at least as far as I know, he's never claimed that this online academy is better than going to like an actual gym. He's always said, this is for the people who want to build their own Gracie garages, just like his grandparents did 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, this is, this is not to replace the gym down the street. This is if there is no gym down the street. And I have to tell you from my personal experience, I have been to the middle of nowhere and I have trained with a Gracie Academy crew of guys and they were way better than they had any right to be. Like, uh, yeah. So, no, it, I, I, I've trained with a guy uh, who was a blue belt. He got his blue belt through the Gracie Academy, and he's really good. Mm -hmm. he, and now he's uh, he's a purple, and he lives in Moncton, I think, yeah, on the yeah. East Coast. And he's he's sick, like, yeah, really good. He did he did have to go. He joined a gym eventually. Spent some time in Alliance Vancouver. Now he's at GF Team Moncton, I think. Hmm. But like, man, he's really good. Yeah, that, that's so been my experience too. Good, but. When you, when it comes to like giving out a black belt on an online academy, that's where I'm kind of like. Do they uh, do that though? Because yeah, I, they do. Oh, because last time I looked at this, and granted, this was like ten years ago, but they would only promote up till brown, and if you wanted to do black belt, you basically had to come in and be there. Um, yeah, you have to go in, pay them, and be there, and then you get your black. Belt. Oh, so it's not like it's not <laughs> you like you don't have to like train. There. Oh, so it's like you have to show up. Yeah, so yeah. Okay, okay. So and that's where like even they start eating their own. Like I think Hickson started shitting on them and he's like, yeah, you know, Helio wouldn't have liked this. <laughs> well, that's one of the fascinating things about their family now is part of the reason it's so hard to get an accurate bead on what is true with the Gracies is because even amongst the sects of their family, they don't agree. There's all, all this infighting between them. Like one of the things that Henner did, which really pissed off his family was he argued that, um, you know, his family jujitsu is the pure jujitsu as Helio intended. And I remember Henzo just went bananas about that, <laughs> which frankly is, fair and reasonable right um and so it was like i've been in a cage motherfucker yeah. I've wasn't fought, i've fought I, grown men wasn't it the case i might be wrong about this but i believe hori and gracie actually trademarked gracie jujitsu and that's why 
like no one, not anyone else can use it as I think they actually, tri- me off, I, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. So please don't take that as, as the full truth. But I, I think he, he did that. Like he trademarked it. And I, I think that might be why we call it Brazilian jujitsu instead of Gracie jujitsu. Although again, I could be totally wrong on this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, uh, how what's kind of come of that, of that family. Cause yeah, now they're mostly known as like ambassadors for these products that they pitch, right? They run several big gyms. They have many different types of products and online academies that they run. Uh, and a lot of people crap on that. Um, and they basically say like your, your instructor, for example, I know is not a big fan of the Gracie's and I'm actually honestly kind of on board with him. He thinks, you know, Rob always says that like a lot of the practices are, are deceptive and stuff. I think that they're hard is like in the right place i think they want to make good product but i think that they do rely on a lot of the mythology behind Definitely. their family to Mystique. pitch that product yeah. you know they i remember because i trained at, at gracie baja for two years and i remember they um you know when you go there you're basically paying for the privilege of going in bowing to some mysterious magical figure whose picture is on the wall and you have to pay to wear their uniforms and in my personal experience by the end of it they were like demanding my loyalty and trying to tell me who I could and couldn't associate with off the mat because I couldn't be talking to people who are enemies of the gym. And that was when I left. The red shield. Yeah. yeah, Well, yeah. And I mean, now that's right in their material, right? Is you've got to protect the red shield and like that kind of stuff is incredibly dangerous it's in like my opinion. It's like communist manifest. Well, it is, right? Like you're 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 forcing people to worship this mysterious figure. You're asking people to wear uniforms. You're demanding their loyalty. You're taking a tithe off of them and you're trying to cut off their social ties. These are the hallmarks of a cult. And I know people don't want to hear that. And I'm sure that when the Gracies created Gracie Baja and the Gracie Academy, their intent was never to create a cult. Yeah. But when you get a big, powerful organization and you start employing these practices, those things can take root over time now so i'm just saying like if you're going to willingly go into a school or a place where you choose as a grown-up you choose to bow to some mysterious figure and wear their uniform and pay a tithe and you are okay with them demanding loyalty and you are okay with being told you need to protect their brand and if it gets to the point that it did with me you are okay with being told that you can and cannot associate with certain people which i was not okay with and for me that is why i left if you're going to let someone have dominion like that over your life you should at least know what kind of people those are uh and so that's why i think it's important to understand the gracie history is that it is not as simple as and as uh you know fairy tale as you would be led to believe like these people were not perfect that is not to say that you can't get anything out of training with them i mean there are amazing people who train at gracie schools and a lot of the gracies who still train are obviously amazing but it's just important to understand that like at this point they're just one option on the table there's a lot of great schools you can train at now um and it's good to understand exactly where the art came from and who's good now and who's not and what the options are. And not not every uh, Gracie Baja gym owner will have that sentiment. Like I know that Homolo no, no. allows tr- cross training and there's a lot of great guys that come through his school and he cross trains at other schools. So I think there is, you know, definitely it, it's also instructor to instructor, but there are definitely Dr- Gracie Bajas that are very much in align with that cultish behavior. Yeah, yeah. And I think that unfortunately most most beginners or average layman's who just want to start jujitsu will generally go to a school because it's it's called gracie or yeah. that name almost sells itself and the business model behind it is kind of structured in a way where you know they they kind of capture you if you're not you know if you haven't been around the block or you haven't been to multiple schools and exactly i, think, I yeah. think they get a lot of schools that way and they keep it kind of uh for lack of a better word, incestual, because a lot of GBs will have like, for example, they have CompNet, which is a tournament series where only GB people fight GB people. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how they foster their competition team is they mm-hmm. test themselves against GB fighters, which for me defeats the purpose of an actual tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and another thing too, is that one of the ways that people will try to lure you in and keep you there if they want your business or if they want you to be part of the cult is they will create situations where the product, the quality of the product cannot be tested. Uh, and that's a perfect example where if you kind of insulate yourself, um, then you you don't wind up in a situation where you're put on a public stage and shown to be inferior. And, and historically, this is one of the things that the Gracies were amazing at is they would always go out there and test themselves in the, the situation 
situations where public failure would be brutal if they lost, right? Like everyone would see them lose and they would still go out and try anyway. And so you got to be careful when people kind of pull themselves out of that situation where you can validate the quality of the product because that's kind of one of the ways that they prevent you from realizing that their pro- that their product may not be the best one. Um Another thing too is self-defense. You know, you got to be careful when you go to a gym that says, oh, we're not for competition. We're for self-defense. Not because training for self-defense is bad. I mean, I got into jujitsu because I wanted to learn self-defense. I think a lot of people do. But the thing about saying that, oh, this is self-defense is that allows you to wash your hands of having to test your jujitsu against real quality competition. You can always say, well, we don't, we don't care if our stuff works against those guys. We're not doing the sports stuff. You know, we're here to talk about armed opponents and things that you'll realistically never need to test. And until unfortunately you actually ha- do have to test them and then you'll be dead. So you can't really test them against live resistance. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that is one of the why self-defense. I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to learn to defend yourself, but you have to be aware that when people try to sell you on a self-defense program, one of the issues with those programs is a lot of the techniques that they're teaching, they're inherently not fully testable. And if your self-defense guy goes up against a competition jujitsu guy and the competition guy crushes him, a lot of the times the self-defense guy will, will say, oh, who cares? That's competition. That's a sport. We're training for the streets. Like it's a way to <laughs> hand wash away the need to prove the quality of your product. So something to bear in mind. And I, I mean, I've noticed, especially with Hicks and Gracie, they're going more towards that self-defense pattern. And that's something that I, I do kind of wonder about is like, is that is that some sort of way that you can escape accountability for whether your stuff stacks up anymore? Yeah, I think it all also depends sort of what your what your goal is when you're mm-hmm. going into a martial art, because some people do generally want to learn self-defense situations and they aren't interested in the sport aspect. Yeah. And that's totally understandable, frankly. It's totally fair. But I think a lot of the time the sport aspect will foster a, a, a better understanding of grappling and positional yeah. dominance and things like that and, mm-hmm. and definitely like finishing rates. Uh, I don't think just because you you know, train with a toy gun or, or, uh, you know, you do gun disarming. I mean, that's too close to katas for me, you know, too close. Yeah. It's a bit kata ish and even knife fighting. Like I don't want to shit on knife fighting because I, I do know some people that think that knife fighting is, is quite legit. Like if you, if you understand how to, how to knife fight, that could really help you in a self-defense situation. But really I think the best strategy is create space, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) what's interesting is I saw that video that, um, was floating around on Facebook a while ago. I think it was Tim Kennedy was in it and they were talking about closing space if someone is like trying to knife fight you. So I can't get a consistent That's because death. he's a psycho. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like if someone pulls a knife on me, I'm not clear. Do I make space? Do I take away space? Do I go in further? Do I or do I go away further? Do I go in closer? I actually don't know what the best thing is to do. And that's one of the things that is challenging with self-defense is that it's it's very hard to prove what works. Whereas if you're doing actual jujitsu, well, it's pretty easy to prove what's going to work, right? someone gets tapped out that's just how you tell so tim kennedy said if someone's coming at you with a knife close the distance there i yeah the in this video they were talking about closing the distance and going in closer which i thought was interesting i mean i i always thought that if someone has a knife you want to create distance if someone has a gun then it's more it makes more sense to try and close distance. this is what i would have thought but i honestly have no idea about the self-defense stuff so i actually don't know i mean it would be fun to actually get someone on the podcast who really does know self-defense who can actually answer this because I find it so confusing. And unfortunately, this is one of those things where you don't want to test it in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Said it before, I'll say it again. I think the best self-defense is MMA. Mm-hmm. And then if you understand, you know, like actual combative tactics, like, uh, you know, you, you creating, um, creating distance and using as Boss Rudin says, using the ambiance of the the room, (laughs) then uh, I think that's a really good, a really good way to sort of structure a self-defense scenario. Like, obviously, you need to understand how to grapple. You need to understand how to strike, fighting on the wall, things like that. You know, that that's kind of self-defense in a nutshell to me. Mm -hmm. Having someone behind you with like a toy gun and then you got to like say a noggy there. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that, really. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that the ultimate this self- John Wick. <laughs> it's like, come on. I think the ultimate self-defense strategy is prevention and just like being in control of your emotions and avoiding this kind of trouble in the first place. But or yeah. have a gun. 
or yeah, or carry a gun like, or a knife or pepper spray or like, something. That's right? probably the best self defense is, is is be armed. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would want to fight fair with someone. I don't know why you would want to go in with your hands if you could go in with something else. But yeah, that's why yeah. I, I taint. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the ultimate lever is yeah. just like sticking your toe against the guy's taint and just elevating yeah. him. Or girls, come on, be inclusive. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. The taint sweep is all inclusive. It will work on anybody. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing about the taint sweep is some people, if they know it's coming, they hate it so much that they will actively like sweep themselves. Yeah, that's the, that's, they always have the choice. Yeah, it reminds me of when you they watch. Have a dilemma here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you watch those videos of like the old guys using like no touch stuff where they're like, they look at the guy and then he goes flying. Oh, God. The taint sweep is like that because you're, you don't even really have to sweep them. You just have to put them in a situation where they know that they're about to be taint swept. And most people will just willingly throw their body in a different direction to avoid it. Yeah. Powerful technique. Yeah. Yeah. Aikido. Is it a legit self-defense martial art? I, I, I mean, I will say this. I have been like Aikido wrist locked before, um, but I, I don't think so. I mean, the problem with Aikido is it doesn't really take resistance into account. It, it is, it is katas, right? You're taking, they're a very, very scripted attack sequence, which would only come from an untrained person. And you're putting yourself in a pretty compromising position in a lot of the situations in order to try to throw the guy. Like, it's just... It, if you want to practice Aikido as like for like spiritual reasons, then go for it. Or if you just want to move your body a bit, then go for it. But like, there's a reason there aren't any Aikido UFC champions. Like, it's just yeah. not really scalable to that level. I think I think my response when people tell me that they've done Aikido is like, just watch high level judo. Watch watch ju- two judokas grip fight. There's never a chance of like a yeah. wrist lock there. They're just grip fighting and then boom, a throw happens. Well, this is actually one of the interesting things about the Gracies is like a lot of people say, oh, the Gracies completely turned the fighting world on its head. They changed everything. And I'm not sure that's entirely true. Like, do you really want to tell me that like a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, people didn't know how to fight? Like, I think probably what actually happened is around the like mid to late 20th century, you know, people like Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris started becoming famous and then Taekwondo and karate schools were everywhere. And then by the 80s, you had Schwarzenegger and Stallone making action movies. And so in the last half of the, the 20th century, where, you know, honestly, we started getting really comfortable as a society, we don't have to fight anymore. So our only exposure to act, to fighting is this stuff we see on TV. We don't actually have to learn to do it ourselves. So we don't have to test whether we actually know how. So what do we think fighting is? Well, is what Bruce Lee does, is what Chuck Norris does, is what Arnold Schwarzenegger does. And so I think we really just had a warped perception of what that was. So I don't think the Gracies act, and this is just me speculating, I don't think they actually rewrote fighting history um, for th- from the, like, the last 2,000 years. I think probably they just corrected misconceptions from like 1960 onward that people had developed due to the movies and due to TV. And but that's they, still a major accomplishment. And they definitely took, you know, I think they're one of their main contributions is how they really like modified the guard and sort of took that what is it fusion ryu style ground fighting to and they modified it to they probably made a lot of technical advances and some of the common moves that we see today so yeah the yeah, big the big thing is shit on that they, no 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 no, no. The, the the big thing is understanding that like when you go to the ground on the bottom it's not the end of the world you can still fight from there and actually expecting that to happen and then planning for that situation i think where a lot of martial arts go wrong is they have a plan a and that's about it like if you want to train taekwondo it's like your plan a is do a flying jump kick and if that doesn't work you have big big problems whereas jujitsu kind of starts from like plan f <laughs> like yeah. they teach you like here's the worst case scenario and here uh, and here is how to fight your way backwards out of that situation so the fact that it is realistic in that matter is i think what differentiates it against a lot of other martial arts where they kind of assume that everything is going to go according to plan a yeah and also just the idea of using the ground as as a platform yeah, to fight yeah. as opposed to standing right? yeah 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 and like being able to immobilize somebody once it hits the ground is kind of the main feature of jujitsu exactly yeah the the idea of not just focusing on striking and not even just focusing on takedowns but the concept of a sweep like inverting the position where you're on yeah. the bottom now you're on the top that is something that I think is really unique to jujitsu, right? Is the understanding that you can switch positions when you're the guy on the bottom and then, or you can even finish the fight from being on the bottom and then really focusing on that as a strategy. Yeah. And you can, you can be flat on your back and the fight's not over, right? Mm -hmm. Because in like wrestling and judo, you end up on your back, the fight's over. Yeah. Now, now we're actually, 
I'm not going to say seeking that position, even though a lot of time in competition, you are seeking that position, but you can actually attack and finish an opponent. Yeah. A lot of sport martial arts have artificial win conditions. Like in judo, if you throw someone for Epon, it's over. I mean, now granted getting thrown for Epon sucks, but that doesn't mean you've necessarily given up the fight if it were a real situation. And yeah, in the case of like a lot of other martial arts, you know, if it's like point based or something, you know, you can win a fight without actually really ending the fight whereas in jiu-jitsu the goal is to actually end the fight right and that is i think part of the reason why it has succeeded over such a long period of, t- of time and and to such a great extent is because it simulates it like a, a situation where you really can take the fight to its logical conclusion it takes into account all of the bad things that can happen and the way to win is to actually win like it's not some artificial win where you put someone's shoulders on the mat and you're done it's at you actually have to force the person to give up or put them unconscious or injure them to the point where they cannot continue. So it's, I think in that situation, that's probably why it's proven to be so effective over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then nowadays we just try and sweep and stall for 10 minutes. Exactly. Nowadays, that's how we nowadays the goal is to sit down and then stand back up again before your opponent. Yeah. I was sparring with a big black belt the other day and I did just that strategy. I pulled turtle, I swept them, I got up in his guard and I just looked in his eyes and said, that's two points. I, I'm winning. And then he just proceeded to maul me for like five minutes and just kick my ass. Wait, did you sweep from turtle? Yes. Then that's not a, that's not a sweep. Was the way that I did it. How? But you turn around. You started on your knees? You go under them. And then when you're underneath them, you turn back around. But did you, were you on your knees or were you in a guard? I was in a guard. I started on, in turtle. When they closed the distance, I went under them and then I switched to like X guard from the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You actually do have a good turtle. Damn right. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about with the Gracies? No. If you are a Gracie and you want to add your two cents, you know what? Actually, we don't want you. Yeah. Probably not listening anyways. Anyway, that's What's the thumbnail gonna look like for this episode? I don't know. I've already used I've already used the Hickson thumbnail where Henner's pulling a yellow plastic gun at him, so I have no idea. That one's great. I'll probably use a legit thumbnail like Hoist from UFC one or something. Anyway, um hopefully this was helpful and educational. Really the important thing to take out of it is to understand that like, you know, a lot of the stories that we get told are not completely true. You know, do some research, understand that there's two sides to every coin. Um, you know, there's there's good and the bad with everything, just like there is with the Gracies. So anyway, if you want to learn more about the mental models that we totally didn't discuss today, you can go to <laughs> bjjmentalmodels.com. If you want to sign up for our mailing list, bjjmentalmodels.com slash join. If you want to buy our merch, we've got patches and we've got shirts. You can go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash store. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can either do it on our website or you can follow us on Facebook or on Instagram and we would love to talk with you and help you out there. Well, Matt, I know you've got to run. You've got a class to teach tonight. Uh, yep. I am absolutely not going to. It is my daughter's birthday, so I'm going to go and have nice. some cake and probably drink. Nice. Yeah. Three years old. Daughter started jujitsu. It's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. So cute when they put that gi on. They really, really are. It's it just it is adorably cute when like a little kid wears a gi it's not so adorably cute when you're at class and you're trying to get them to focus and pay attention though so i think it's pretty obvious what we have to do we have to get drunk get our kids to fight and put bets oh absolutely it's going to be like like cockfighting basically just get them to go at it you know put them in their gis and then we'll throw money into a pit like we'll be in like a smoke-filled room (laughs) come up for your two come up (laughs) all right guys thanks a lot hope this was helpful see you next week bye